Welcome to the Classic Car Corner podcast. I'm Jason Painter, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. And today we welcome Miss Margie Eatwell, who I had the pleasure of meeting at Amelia Island's concourse in 2018. Margie is currently a product trainer and performance driving specialist for Jaguar Land Rover and a race car driver professionally since the 1990s. Margie's had years of automotive experience, which we are dying to find out about here, Margie. So welcome to our show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, uh, uh, your story, your background story is just absolutely fantastic, and we'd love to hear a little bit more about it. And I thought we'd start with your your father's uh, 1962 Austin Healey. Well, actually, it's a 1954. Oh, 54. Okay, gotcha. It, yeah, it's even more rare. And okay. um, it, it, he bought it in 1962 from oh, okay. someone. But, gotcha. Uh, I remember being, yeah, there for the, the confusion. But I, I just remember being a young girl. I was three years old, and my father would strap me to the e-brake pump. He had an extension on the seatbelt, and my sister would ride in my mother's lap, and right. she would pack the boots uh-huh. full of camping gear. We lived in Colorado. We were outside of Denver. And we would go camping for a day, a night, whatever, with all the, the gear he could fit in the boot. And uh, it was really exciting and fun. And, and then one time he was speeding and rolled it with us in it. And uh, we landed upside down uh, next to a riverbed. And fortunately, nobody was hurt. It was amazing. My dad had right. a cut on his knee. But, uh, you know, the car, they wanted to just... Uh, scrap it. My father said, no, no, and he salvaged it. And so it's been in our family ever since. And <laughs> so did you? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Did, uh, did your dad rebuild it himself or did you all, did he ship it out and had it, you know, custom, re- custom rebuilt or is it something like a project that he just started from then? Well, he actually had a good friend who was renowned in Denver for his body work. And um, so he had, Kenny, his name was Kenny Frazier, and he did all the body work on it, and he sent, you know, everything else out for whatever repairs it needed, because my father was not, he was an architect, excuse me, architect, mm-hmm. he was not an engineer. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> he didn't gotcha. know, he, he was not mechanical at all, but he totally appreciated fine, beautiful objects right. of art, which it, this is, yeah. And so he bought that with a, I think you said 115,000 miles. So that car was, was well into its, I guess, prime by the time you guys acquired it. And it, you said it's still in your family today. Is that correct? That is correct. That's awesome. And it's been, it's been restored twice now from one time, unfortunately, just Mm -hmm. after it was restored from the wreck, just sitting out in the cold and getting rest. And it was restored again. And it's been garaged ever since. It's been running up until about probably four years ago. And then it just died. And my brother got frustrated. He was kind of the mechanic on it. And he just parked it and said, I'm done. (laughs) And so I now, as many, you know, people can relate to, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you know, English cars especially have a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Overheating was one of them. And that car has an overheating issue. But anyway, so I now have it being restored in Denver with um, a British Motor Works company. That oh, nice. Very cool. Well, there you go. So, yeah, I'm gonna, oh, yeah, my goal is to get it running. It was 
actually my goal to get it running last year, but then COVID hit and I didn't really have income. And so, so I kind of mm. shelved it. So, gotcha. you know, but now it's, it's, it's in the hands of good people there who I go. trust and mm -hmm. I'm hoping to debut it hopefully this next spring. Oh, that's great. I don't know. That's great. Now um, you also, I think in that um, literature that you had sent us uh, had, a piece of advertising that was actually signed by Donald Healy. Is that, is that correct? You, do you have that with that card? Yeah. That That's neat. Yep. Very good. Yep. He, yeah, he had, uh, the opportunity, I guess, to meet Donald Healy at some point on a concourse or he even actually, my father rallied it in hill climbs. Okay. So it had a hill climb engine for that was built for it as well. Nice. But um, he met Donald Healy, had it signed and autographed, and he had the, the original brochure. And also, we have the original, own, um, what do you call it, um, owner's manual, which is a hardbound book. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's wow. amazing. If you can believe that, it's so cool. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> Absolutely. He, and he had it signed as well. So I'm oh, like, nice. oh, my gosh. I have all this history with this car, you know? Gotcha. It's amazing. Well, if you have any uh, photographs of it, uh, <laughs> then now and you know in between, if you wouldn't mind uh, maybe emailing us, we'd love to uh, oh. post a picture too uh, on our website uh, when we uh, launch your podcast. Yeah, that that would oh, be, sure. that, be sure. great. That would be great. Yeah, I can make that happen. Yeah. So having no rid driven and ridden, I guess ridden first because you know when you're three years old, you're not going to really hit the pedals just yet. Uh, but riding in an Austin Healey and a, just a fun little sporty car. What was your transition? How what was your entrance rather not transition, but your entrance into racing? Well, so my dad was always very interested in racing. Um, in the 1930s, there was an old historic racetrack, which is still, I believe still there lakeside speedway, um, in Inglewood, Colorado, mm -hmm. or Sheridan, Colorado. I'm not even sure it's been, you know, changed over the years but anyway uh lakeside speedway there was an amusement park there and um my father lived nearby and he would uh being a depression baby he didn't have money so he would sneak in through the you know fence and watch the midget races and okay fell in love with midget racing and always wanted to do that um but never could afford to do it and he was always a self-employed architect all his life and uh when well, I'm really dating me, but basically the year that we landed on the moon and walked on the moon mm -hmm. was um, a departure from our normal Saturday night routine, which was to go out to Inglewood Speedway, which is un unfortunately no longer there, and it was a oval track and watch modifieds and super eights and all this stuff. And uh, my dad said, "No, we're staying home. We're watching the moon landing." and like, oh, I was so disappointed. I right, right. Like, really? What? <laughs> Come right. on. Right. What could be better? <laughs> exactly. So, um, <laughs> so as an uh, accolade to us, he said, well, I heard about these little cars that kids race out of Jefferson County Fairgrounds outside of Denver, and we'll go there next week and watch that. And we're like, okay. And I'm the oldest of four kids, so... Okay. Um, you know, so we were like, oh, okay, well, we go out there and, uh, my father fell in love with the whole quarter midget racing scene mm -hmm. immediately and walked through the pits and said, is there a car for sale? I want to get my kids involved, blah, blah, blah. 
And uh, long story short, that's how we got started. And so all four of my of us, the kids, raced. And it grew to the point where my father was the, um, he was at one time the novice trainer. So he trained all the little kids mm-hmm. how oh, to fun. start in racing, right? including my little baby brother, Andy, who was born 11 years uh, later. And uh, my brother, Andy, was four years old when my father thought it would be a good idea to put him in a little quarter midget. Okay. And uh, they did it where, you know, they separated the kids out, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, one little kid would run around the track for a while, and then he'd park in the infield. And then the other kid would go out and run around the infield, <laughs> or run around the track and then park in the infield. Well, my brother, he, he, his head was so small, and we only had one open-face helmet. We told it had a handbrake, okay? This is how rudimentary these little cars were. And... uh Anyway, we told him, Andy, whatever happens, don't take your hands off the steering wheel because these cars have a tendency to flip over. <laughs> okay. And they didn't have cages. They just had a roll bar at the time, and this helmet is too big, and it was a rigid axle, old, 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 cool car, which I wish I had now. But anyway, a Wahlberg is what it was called. Oh, wow. And he's driving around the track, and he's bumping and bumping and bumping, and, and his he's doing okay, but then his helmet starts to slip down over his eyeballs. And he won't take his hands off the wheel to push his helmet up. Oh, and he gosh. ends up going through the infield. Oh. And T-Bone, the only other car in the whole entire racetrack, which is this little <laughs> kid who was just learning. So my father decided, okay, Andy, no, he's not ready yet. We can't do it. Right, right. That's funny. So, I just had the biggest grin on my face just listening to that story because you just know what's going to happen. Right. Don't yeah. take your hands off like, the wheel. Exactly. Right. You told me I'm not going to take my hands off the steering wheel. Oh, well, okay. So, yeah. Anyway, but he ended up turning out, he and my brother Tom ended up being fantastic race car drivers in their own right. They raced midgets and sprint cars and did extremely well on a very limited budget. Um, in the western half of the hemisphere, mm-hmm. uh, so they've earned their own accolades in racing as a result of it. But um, I, my father, wouldn't let me race a midget. He said no, because Kara Hendrick was killed oh, okay. um, in in the early, I believe, it was the early eighties, and she was eighteen years old, and she was a friend of ours, and uh, she got killed at El Cajon. And my father said, no, you're not doing that. Right. You know, he had a double standard for men, for guys, I don't know. And so it was sort of like, wow, 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 okay, so wow. So I just decided on my own I was going to go out and figure out how I could race. And I did it. And I, I researched what was happening in SSCA and what was the hot car to own at the time, and I got a little 1990 CRX off the brand new. Yep. Okay. Off the showroom floor, ordered it, and I said, strip it. <laughs> okay. And like, what? <laughs> I, said, I don't want the radio. I don't want the sunroof. I don't want any take off. They were like, well, we can't quite do that. So, But anyway, I raced it in SCCA, and I won a couple championships regionally. And then um, I got married. My husband was an engineer, and he said, okay, it's stupid. You're driving your car, your daily driver, to work, but you're racing it on the weekends. Something." going to happen and mm-hmm. then you won't have a car and uh so he built me a little gt4 honda crx that was a purpose-built race car okay and i won a couple more championships and then um with that car and uh it was really fun to race and drive and and then the denver grand prix was coming to town in, for indycar 
Okay. In 1990. Mm-hmm. And um, two years prior to that, my father had gifted me with a uh, with my SCCA school. Right, he had gifted that to me, so that's how I got my SCCA license. Oh, cool! And um, he he also collected, and I I'm sure many of you know about this: the automobile quarterly hardbound books that were produced through the years. They're beautiful. Uh, color. If you don't, I will donate the collection to you because they are they are fantastic. They're quarterly. Okay. Automobile quarterly, hardbound, full color oh, wow. books yeah. on everything automobile. Oh, that's neat. Interesting. And, I've never heard of it. I, I have not either, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. So they had done an um, a, an article on the PPG Pace Car Girls that were hired to do Indy car races. And they were all race car drivers, Desiree Wilson, oh, wow. um, Patty, uh, Patty oh, Mayer, I oh, don't know, oh my gosh, I forgot it, Moyer, um, oh my gosh, women of really, well, Lynn St. James, she was one of the original mm-hmm. pace car drivers, and, you know, they were hired to give pace car rides um, to VIPs and celebrities, throughout uh, the course of the event, but also to pace the races. And we did precision driving maneuvers, like the Flying Angels, only on four wheels. Nice. And okay. it, was, it was so cool. And PPG's whole goal here was to showcase new colors, you know, paint colors, mm-hmm. uh, to OEM so and get reaction from the crowd. And and it was brilliant. It was brilliant wow. marketing. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's, a, race drivers. that's yeah. a pretty neat marketing uh, scheme. Oh, Absolutely. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And, Mar- and Margie, I just have to interject. When you said talked about a CRX and SECA, I had a 1986 CRX SI with the air conditioning removed. Oh, my, yeah. My daily driver, the uh, uh, coolant <laughs> overflow tank was a Mountain Dew 2 liter zip tied into it with a little uh, overflow tube going into that. And and I never won anything whenever I raced in D-Stock <laughs> SECA. <laughs> Right. I had uh, a friend who was very experienced in it. He he did uh, some open wheel racing in it, and he would always. Was, I guess he was just nervous. He said, "Okay, slow down in this turn." I'm like, it, "It'll do fine." <laughs> yeah. I I never uh, won anything, I, but it was so much fun, and it's such a fun family oh, yeah. event for SECA and the daily driver. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and that's that was the whole. You know, everybody helped each other in the pits. You know, if you mm. needed a part or something, a, a tire. I mean, everybody would pitch in and help each other. And it was great racing, good club racing. You know, I got to got to ask, did, what, what kind of modifications did you do to the Honda? I mean, I I know we stripped it, but uh, any engine modifications to that car? Well, not 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 my showroom. Not the SSB because okay. that was showroom stock, right? Okay. So you could, you were very limited. All you could do was brake modification. Um, but the GT4 was open class, so we actually took the um, fuel injection off of it and made it a carbureted engine, wow. which I still don't know why we did that. But, okay, yeah, uh, all right. It was a nightmare. It never worked. It was <laughs> we had Makuni carbs, and and maybe it was altitude. Uh, associated, but we could never make that car run rich enough. It, we, it was either too rich mm-hmm. or way too lean, you know. And we're in Colorado racing, basically, and um, it just never, 
it never worked right. It was huh. very fast. It had a lot of horsepower, but it mm-hmm. would always lean out or, or just run too rich. Huh. But um, And then, of course, it was a partial two-frame chassis. Mm-hmm. Um, so my husband had taken a DX, Honda DX and a CRX, and melded them together, created oh, this wow. two-frame chassis out of it, stripped it completely bare. Um, you know, it just had a driver's seat in it. And uh, it, it was a real deal. The thing wow. was... A real race car. It was very light. Um, I had these big old huge slicks on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> all four nice. corners. Wow. Even though it was a front wheel drive. I was going to say, yeah, know? front wheel drive. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. And um, it was it was a fun little thing. I mean, I had a blast. There was another guy in my region who had a similar car, and uh, we we had great races. And then there was another guy, Michael Pettiford, who still has his racing a school called go for it. And he had always had Camaros and big V8s. And I would, we would have the best battles because I could keep up with him enough that I could race him through the corners and the S's and all nice. that. But he would outpower me down the straight and then I'd <laughs> catch him in the corners. And, there you, you go. Know, we just had great battles going back and forth. But, yeah. Right. So, so where's your Honda today? My Honda? Yes. Well, unfortunately it got, it got kind of scrapped out. Um, one of my last races, uh, there was a big checkup. It was in Pueblo, Colorado. And there was a big checkup on the start, and uh, my front end got smashed. Oh. And I couldn't finish the race. And so, um, as life goes, and then I got divorced, and so I had this crash car in my garage. <laughs> and even though I wanted to fix it and repair it, I just didn't have the means. So I, gotcha. I ended up parting it out. Okay. Yeah. I got you. So, yeah, I have the hood. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> Hopefully, it's hanging in the garage somewhere. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> well, yeah, and, if... and oh, so in this whole time, so this is what's crazy. Why this led me into the conversation about the Denver Grand Prix? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just club racing, and I'm a PBG pace car driver. I made the team. And uh, Denver Grand Prix is coming to town, and my husband and I used to go to this little bar that I think is still there, the Campus Lounge, um, and we would go for steak night on Tuesday and play pool. And this guy was there, and he's like, uh, we're talking, you know, chatting, and he goes, what do you do? And I told him, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, my gosh, well, we're opening a brewery in Fort Collins, and I'm the sports marketing director for the brewery in Fort Collins for Budweiser. Mm-hmm. And he says, I want you to come to my office on Monday, and let's talk about sponsoring you. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Nice. Nice. I am kidding. That's how that happened. And I got Budweiser sponsorship, which was part of their national budget that was going to Chip Hanauer, um, uh, Kenny Bernstein, Mm -hmm. um, Bill Elliott, and Mm -hmm. Scott Pruitt at the time. Wow. That is so cool. That was always a Chip Hanauer, the Miss Budweiser hydroplane boat. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the, the big deal when Miss Budweiser dominated that sport. I see. All right. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And that kind of launched the pro career, yeah. honestly. Hmm. Okay, we're going to let the listeners just hang on for just one moment here. We're going to take a quick moment to ask you to please check out our sponsor, GD Herring. GD Herring provides options on insuring not only your classic car, but all of your collectibles. Please check them out at gdherring.com. And our new announcement is that we have a brand new website, theclassiccarcorner.com. Please visit us there where you can access our shows, learn more about us, and what we're up to. So coming back to Margie Well. 
and we, we you now are signed with Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get free beer? <laughs> that is a, a question. You know, you know most when you're sponsored really by ask. Budweiser, do they do they ask you, hey, would you like a case or two for the weekend every now and again? Or is that ever an option? Oh, oh yeah, no. Oh, honestly, I could drive up to, honestly, to the, the brewery and they would load the van with cases, nice. cases of Budweiser. And I would sponsor a corner worker party after every single race, you know, and host it. Oh, that is <laughs> so I, fun. That is so cool. And then we, we also created a poster, um, which unfortunately I didn't take a picture of and send you, but maybe I can. But um, it was uh, that my, you know, the sports marketing guy's idea to promote me as a female in the sport, which was in 1990, still not really prominent. And, um, and he said, we want to sell the whole idea of sex appeal. And I said, I get that. I get it. But I'm going to be in charge. He said, I want you to wear a bikini. And I said, hmm, <laughs> would you ask Scott Pruitt to wear a Speedo? <laughs> nice. Proper no. response. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so I said, I understand what you're going for here. Let me be in charge of the dress, the attire, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll do a photo shoot. And so, um, I'll have to send it to you, but I'm wearing a very classy-ish red dress. Uh, obviously, you know, appealing to the sex appeal point, but it's a, I have all my gear in the background, my Budweiser racing suit, my helmet, my gloves, all blown up in black and white behind me, and I'm prominently in front of it uh, in color. And it, I have my arms folded, and it says, who says women can't drive? There you go. Wow. Nice. Sounds like a fantastic poster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and we ran with that for years, and I did promotions um, all over the place, signed posters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That and it cool. led to an Indie Lights test um, for me, and uh, I really uh, – I had four tests, and I really – I mean, they were basically saying to me, we're, we're going to sponsor you and we're spending national money on this. Um, but our, your goal, our goal is to have you in IndyCar in two years. Wow. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm like SCCA level, that's, right? That's a bit of a, 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 a jump in, in, in car, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Just Dude. a little bit, you know. And I said to the guy, do you realize that's like, Somebody who's an amateur tennis player and asking them to win Wimbledon in two years. Do you, do you get the correlation here? Like, sure. There's, there's a lot of steps. Right. You know? Wow. And so, I mean, I'm coming from a front-wheel drive Honda CRX with maybe 200 horsepower. We bumped it up to about 194. But um, to an Indy car <laughs> that weighs 1,200 pounds and has over 700 yeah, horsepower. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Wow. Rear wheel drive, <laughs> rear engine, you, you get that there's this, you know, huge, huge jump. Oh, sure. So I did my best, and I did, I had several tests in an Indy Lights car, and it was um, challenging. I mean, I, I did Willow Springs and, and Firebird, and um, I think, uh, what else? Oh, Laguna Seca, oh, wow. you know, and um, I didn't test well, I'll be honest, I didn't. Because I just didn't have that much experience in those cars. Well, I would imagine it's not something that you can just go to Mario Andretti's uh, experience. 
hop in a car in a couple of weeks, you're you're up to speed on this. Right. This is, I mean, this sign me up. What when when drivers are learning um, indie and indie light cars? What would what's the average that most drivers go through when they do that? Because I mean, male female. What there's is the got average? About familiarization time to where you get. Um, oh. I mean, I would well, imagine it's more multiple years than it is just twenty four months. Yeah, I don't, don't hurt yourself. Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you don't just. I mean, in the old days, sure, sure. Mario and AJ Foyd, and you know, a lot of these guys that had great dirt track backgrounds could just jump into um, a car and drive the wheels off of it because they weren't that much more advanced, right? They were they were technically not the leaps and bounds that we see today, right? Mm-hmm. And so they and they and those guys obviously had incredible driving talent. And I still believe that you either really, truly have incredible driving talent who's super good at it. Anybody can be taught to be fast. Anybody can. But there are those who are born with the innate, just natural ability to know how to make everything come together and work and be fast. And there, there are a few of those. Mm-hmm. There are very few of those people. I really believe that. And so, you know, my learning curve was basically I borrowed a formula Ford from a friend, Buzz Hawkins down in Denver. And, and it was the first rear engine open wheel car I'd driven ever. And it was a formula Ford, you know, and then I went to these tests that were paid for by Budweiser and to a 600 horsepower Buick um, Wildcat engine in a Lola chassis. Mm-hmm. And everyone told me, these are beasts to drive. They're beasts. And, the back end will get away from you really quickly, so forth and so on. And I had been warned, like, so I had this, you know, unfortunate pressure in my mind that, oh, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to do well at these. And um, it, it, it <laughs> kind of a funny story, if you have time. <laughs> um, <laughs> my first test was at Willow Springs in California, and it was with a team out of Long Beach. And... They were running an Indy car at the time, and they were also running an Indy Lights team at the time. And the owner picked me up from the airport, and he said, there will be somebody else who will be testing with you today at Willow Springs. And I, again, never had been in, in a Indy Light car ever. Um, and I'm thinking, and he goes, he's pretty well-known, and, like, there might be a lot of security and press and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, who is like, mm-hmm. who, who could this possibly be? I'm thinking a Formula 3 driver, and, you know, I'm going to be blown out of the water. I don't know. Anyway, turned out to be Vince Neal of Motley Crue. Oh, <laughs> nice. All right, there you go. <laughs> I'm personally a big Motley Crue fan. You're so right, right. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> How awesome is that? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so how was That's that experience? Cool. So you raced... <laughs> Indy Light Car with Vince Neal. <laughs> that is a fun story. Well, we, we tested. We te- we didn't. I, we didn't actually ever get to the racing part. But so this is at Willow Springs in November. And if you've ever been to Willow Springs in November, it's freaking cold and the wind blows all the time. And we were out there, and he goes out first, and he's spinning out every single corner, and I'm like, oh. I got this. I got this. I'm getting all cocky now. I'm like, oh, I can at least not spin out. 
<laughs> wrong. Every time I went out, I did the same thing. Huh. Went out every corner. And I'm like, what? The? I am laying over my head. I have no business being a race car driver. This is insane. I need to call <laughs> cashing in. So oh, no. they're the team, I come back and the team's packing up and loading up and everything. And I'm like, I'm just hanging my head in embarrassment. And the owner says, he goes, we'll do this again somewhere else. He said, these conditions are horrible. Nobody could ever drive in this. He goes, we can't get any heat in the tires. It's like sand blowing, it's still blowing across the track. It's like, you know, an ice skating rink. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? Really? You're going to give me a second chance? (laughs) (laughs) Take it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can imagine it's part of the learning experience that, uh, I mean, just first time in an indie like car, I'm sure other drivers would come yeah. out going, I'm not getting it. I guess guys that are currently driving would have come out going, I'm not getting in a car in this. These conditions are lousy. But you wouldn't have known that just walking oh, well, out there. <laughs> I would imagine. When it's, yeah, when it's paid for and you're, you're kind of under pressure to make it happen, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, okay, I got to do this regardless, right? Mm-hmm. And then, thankfully, thankfully, the owner, car owner, saw the whole scenario falling apart, and he's like, no, we're not, we'll just stop it. So. <laughs> That's oh, really boy. cool. Now, when you, I know, I've, I've seen that a lot of the drivers, when they're when they're going around, uh, I guess maybe they're just fine-tuning the car, um, there's a little more of a conversation that happens where you learn how the effects of that car are when they're driving downforce, front wing, rear wing, downforce, air pressure, uh, just to tune it in. Was there, uh, I guess, how do you, how, when, and cause you had two year window there, how kind of like education program do they have to say, here's how you learn how to feel this and to communicate what you're feeling to those guys. No, there was none then. There was no, there was no ladder. There was no training. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. no formal ladder steps of training at all. And in fact, so this is remember 1990, mm-hmm. and I, Lynn St. James was still attending a lot of IndyCar races, and I had the opportunity to pull her aside in the airport in Toronto. And I said, Lynn, I really need to talk to you if you don't mind. And, and she's like, she was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I think, believe this was 92. <clears throat> and I said, I had this huge opportunity with a great sponsorship to continue my career. And I have no idea how to do it. I don't know where to go. I don't know what next steps take. I, I don't know. And I said, can I pick the brain? And so she, we sat down and talked. And I believe as a result of that conversation, she created her um, Lynn St. James Foundation for Racing for Girls, for Women. And I was the inaugural guest. Oh, for that. wow. And it was in nice. 1994. Okay. Yeah. Because she realized that women in racing don't have mentors. You know, they, you, it's either your dad or a boyfriend or a husband or whatever, mm-hmm. brother, whatever. But there was no, like, real structured method of moving forward now of course years have passed and there are i mean the w series for example i mean thank god for david coltard and creating this series for women that is you know promoting women in formula formula mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. um lynn became involved with um don panos mm-hmm. and when panos was trying to promote his cars 
State created the Women's Global GP Series, and I was when I was on Lynn's shortlist, she called me and said, Margie, you would be perfect for this, and I want you to come try out, and they're going to take the top 13 fastest women and create the series. Well, Don Panos, being a businessman, saw the opportunity when 600-plus women showed up for trials wow. and paid for it. And he said, I'm not just going to take the top 13. I'm going to take the people who will pay. Right, right. <laughs> and, wow. and that's what happened, unfortunately, in yeah. that series. And so <laughs> um, I never competed in that series. But so, there, you know, there's never been structured uh, steps. I mean, Ford has also built a diversity program for racing for women and black people. And I think it's wonderful. It is wonderful. It has given so many people, minorities of all races that would never have an opportunity to compete in the sport. Oh, yeah, that is, that's really good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, we are at the 32 minute mark here, Margie, but we have some more questions. If you have a few more minutes, if that's okay. I sure do. So, real quick, it talked about you were campaigning for a GTO Camaro. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, so I was contacted uh, by someone I didn't know mm-hmm. um, to compete in the 24 Hours of Daytona in 1994. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out they wanted to promote an all female team. And so we went down and tested and everything else and had this, uh, originally it was going to be a 944 Porsche turbo mm. <laughs> and that's what we were going to race. And again, I'd never been to Daytona. I'd never raced on the track. I'd never, I mean, it was all new. And so we went down and tested and everything was coming together. And supposedly we had sponsorships and all this, all this. And then, um, in the 12th hour, the deal fell apart. Uh, we were kind of blindsided, but by the, person who was putting this all together who didn't have it all together and so then we went out and campaigned we were just walking the pits asking for help you know does anybody have a car we had all this press it was kind of like we can't just not do this race now Mm -hmm. so we were begging for a car and somebody offered us a um, GTO Camaro two print chassis 650 horsepower left-hand turn race car I mean it had been set up for ovals Oh wow! Nice. Well, okay. Perfect for three quarters of the way around Daytona, but not so good in the infield. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> turn right. Turn right. Yeah. I don't want yeah. to. Yeah. Let's go left again. Yeah. I want to go right. No, right. Um, yeah. So, so this was like the eleventh hour, and we're testing this car late at night, and it had terrible brake bias problems, and oh, just was. Just a beast of a car wow. to handle and drive and what what um, what so but, this, this was in 1994. Yeah. Okay. We kept it together. We campaigned it. We we put it on the track. It had the red, white, and blue flag painted on it, and we were submitted as the all female racing team. Nice. Um, and there were five drivers, all females, and at the end there were three drivers left. And uh, I was one of them, and we finished the race, and that's about all I can say good about that. We spent eight hours behind the wall with mechanical failure. Oh, wow. Twice the throttle stuck wide open on me. Oh. Um, this was when you see God in you. I was going to say, I bet that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. 650 yeah. horsepower yeah. wide open. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. And you can yeah. only turn left. Yeah. 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 And it will, it will, yeah, it will not turn right. right. Like, come on, I need you to get around turn five here. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. I ain't doing it. it. No, I <laughs> and and, and let me tell you something. Brakes are more important than horsepower. Uh, right. <laughs> That's the truth. So, so uh, you were also a pace car driver, uh, and which you shared the track with. It says Paul Newman and Mario Andretti. Is that correct? Yeah, fantastic. Yes. And Paul Newman. Okay, all right. And Paul Newman. And Paul Newman. Okay. Yeah. So, so the question is, what, what? Let me tell you, Paul Newman. Paul Newman is a was a hell of a driver. Was he? he oh my God, that guy! I think if he had found racing before acting, he might not have ever been an actor. He hmm. was incredible. Wow. Really good natural talent, natural talent. Yeah. What what car were you in, as as on the pace car team with them? Oh well, well it varied. So this was really good. This was the really cool thing about it. So we had all these OEMs um, that would provide, you know, all their products, and uh, you just drew, and so you never knew which car you were going to get for the weekend. So it was always different. So I drove everything from an Acura NSX to a Ford Mustang to a. Corvette to um, Trans Am to Ford Lightning to I mean Toyota Supra I mean is it Mercedes we had we had all kinds of different cars oh my gosh yeah I, I bet and that it was really exciting. gave me a great experience very interesting well of, of of the cars that you did drive uh, on the laps which ones did you find to be I, I might want to take one of these home because <laughs> I'm sure one of them probably stood out a little more than others. <laughs> My well, are, so are you asking me to name a favorite piece? Well, <laughs> maybe maybe not a favorite, or what would you say your top three or two or one? Or, or top <laughs> right. three, top three. That not to put you on a spot, but of 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 all these, which ones you're like? That was kind. That was sporty. Well, that was fun. I, so maybe it goes back to the Honda affiliation. I don't know, but I really enjoyed the Acura NSX, and it was a mid-engine, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a handful that little car, but. It was fun. Oh, wow. It was so fun. And, and it was my favorite car to drive. And it was the Alex Zanardi edition. Oh, loved it. Nice. Loved yeah. it. I remember when the NSXs yeah. came out. They oh, were, yeah. Yep. They're still fancy. I don't think they're still producing mm-hmm. them, but um, or maybe they are. Well, they I know, are, but they, the new one is amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those were aluminum bodies, correct, Margie? Am I thinking right? Yes. The NSX? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And... I haven't driven it, unfortunately, the new one, but I'm uh, sure I would just fall in love with it all over again. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> and what what a what what a fun career you've had. Now, so oh, got, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead, Margie. No, yes, I am blessed. I am so blessed. I look back and I go, "Did this really happen to me?" But then I do have pictures, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got. So he pinned you down on your, on one of your favorite pace cars. There's all of them have their their. It's like who's your favorite child? Uh, they all have their wonderful merits. <laughs> so, yeah. so what got you into your current activities right now with uh, Jaguar? Because that's equally as exciting as everything else that you've done. Well, so being uh, I love all automobiles. I love cars. I love. I really do appreciate the artwork. Um, I love especially, you know, the beauty and the styling of the 30s automobiles. I think those are some of the most beautiful cars, not necessarily performance vehicles, 
but beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate, you know, the performance part. I, so I just love cars. I love going to these car shows and everything else. And, you know, through my racing, um, I got hired to be a coach, right seat driver coach for different manufacturers. And, um, fortunately with Jaguar, I just asked if I could, you know, do more. Um, cause I love coaching. I, I was, my first time in a production Jaguar was in 1995 at mid Ohio and it was the XK8. And they had just come out with the SDR sedan. And I, I was so blown away by the performance aspect of these cars. I always mm-hmm. thought they were beautiful mm-hmm. and luxurious and elegant, but I didn't understand what was really underneath the hood until I got to push them. And I was like, wow, holy, nice. wow, yep. there's a lot more to these cars than people even know. And, well, maybe some people did. I didn't, but, you know. So I really got interested, and I said, could I do more for you? Could I, like, train and educate? And they said, yeah, we actually have an opening in training right now. So. And, so, I, and, that's what you, and that's what you're currently doing right now. Yes, yep. I do. Uh, I do, vir- unfortunately, virtual training this year right. for them, um, for Jaguar Land Rover and now Porsche. Oh, wow. And okay. Okay. Yeah, I got hired on with Porsche three nice. years ago now. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fabulous. Right. And, right. and before COVID, you know, I had track time with all these cars. And, oh, my gosh. I'm sure that's yeah. going to come back again real soon. That That's, that's I think, everybody's right. goal. And if you need a porter uh, to bring a car around for you, <laughs> I'm always available <laughs> right. to bring. There you go. Pull if, that up for you. Yeah. yeah. If you if you find a car out here on the eastern part of the United the States, States, let us know. I'm sure any one of us would be more than happy. Right. Or all three of us drive it out there and deliver it right to you. Right. And we exactly. Wash it and everything. Wow. <laughs> that, that's I, that's I would exactly hire right. you guys in a heartbeat. You know yeah. that. There you go. It would even be better if you had three of them. That way we can cannonball out there. <laughs> and we'll see who gets out yeah, there first. Exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll even do the old uh, smoking the bandit That's thing right. and, and um, bring you bring you bring you the Bud Lights. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Cases of beer, oh, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, hopefully, Budweiser still gives yeah. you free beer. Yeah. Right. Right. Leaving the deal, you guys. Leaving right. the deal here. Well, Mark, oh Mar- Margie, one last question here, and then um, and that is, what what would you tell young ladies uh, right now who are pondering? Uh, something in the automotive industry. What what would you say to them? One hundred percent, go for it. I don't let any old stigmas hold you back. I mean, the opportunity for women in this industry is huge, and we need to be a bigger part of it because it's, it's a fact. You know that eighty percent of the buying decision is made by the female. Mm-hmm. when purchasing a car 80 percent, whether they write the check or they influence the color or the interior or whatever they the model they are so important in this industry and women no longer should take a back seat they should be forefront and go for it and just be bold and be be out there you know yeah i absolutely do it whatever, whatever format you want to do it whether it's racing or selling or, you know, promoting or whatever, they, women are very good in this industry, and they need to be there. And I appreciate you saying that because being a daughter daddy myself, she is going to listen to this and hear those words. So but, it's not just dad telling her. 
there are influential women yeah. that are telling her this too. So I appreciate to hear that message. That's right. And my uh, my wife said it best, right. Margie. She goes, uh, you know, GTOs don't doesn't stand for Gran Turismo Amagato. She goes, it stands for Girls Take Over. <laughs> So, 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 yeah. So anyhow, I thought you'd get a kick out of that, but, uh, Margaret, you've had such a great story and thank you so much for joining us here this evening. Um, if, if people wanted to, to contact you, um, via email or something to that nature or about your business, uh, how, where, where could they, where could they go? Well, so my business name is me, my initials, M-E, racing one, at yahoo.com. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so well, I'd much. I'd love to hear from people. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll definitely get your information out on our uh, website, our new website, our Facebook page, our Instagram, and all our uh, media platforms. Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, thank you for coming on our show. It's been a fantastic podcast. What an honor. Thank you so much. And please send us some pictures of that. Austin Healy, so we can uh, throw that up there as well. And, and if you have a, a standard send, picture, or how about a, yeah. a picture of your Budweiser promotional poster? Uh, <laughs> that would be really cool to put up there and put a name with that as well. Yeah. I will do that. Oh. I will do that. Yeah. I really promise. Thank you so much. Yeah, and it, it, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, oh, sure. Absolutely. It's It's been a delight and a, and a great story to hear hear your past and uh, and what you got going on now. That's always great. Yeah, it's been a fun, yeah, fun. Thank you. Absolutely. And um, for our listeners of the podcast, like us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe so you're notified of new shows. And please leave us a review. Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast. <laughs>